Welcome, welcome to Real Job Talk, the podcast about jobs, careers, and what's not said at the water cooler. I'm Kat Troyer. I'm Liz Bronson. Hey, Liz, how are you? I'm great. I'm excited about tonight, Kat. Uh, me too. Me too. Tell us. Tell us more. So today we are going to rip off the Band-Aid on a topic I've been dealing with in my life and career for the last 15 years, and that is work-related travel. While I don't have to travel a lot for work, my husband Eric does, and we look far and wide for the best guests to talk about this topic, and guess what? He was in the house. So Eric is joining us in our discussion about the ups and downs of work travel. Welcome, Eric. Welcome, Tell us a little bit about yourself and especially about your career as a person who travels for work. Well, thank you very much for having me. I am a big, big fan of the show. I've been traveling more than 50% of the time for the last 15 years or so. Been in the tech industry since about 1998 and happy to share some, some tips and some experiences with, with you and your audience. Awesome. Thank you. Welcome, Eric. We're really glad to have you here tonight. So you think you travel more than 50%? Yeah, it's it, it varies. Uh, there's times it's upwards of 70, 80 for weeks at a time. And then towards the end of the year, uh, when people are closing out business and closing out deals, it, it tends to slow down. So it, it ebbs and flows. But I say the average is about 50% of the time I'm away from home. So Eric, tell us what kinds of jobs have you done that you've had all this travel? Well, it's mostly been software sales and channel sales. Most of the time it is going and visiting clients, visiting partners that sell our software. And usually that just involves where going out for two or three meetings a day or all around the country, depending on where the audience is and uh, talking to them about our software and then usually taking them out for lunch and, and doing other things to entertain them so we can earn their business. So how do you go about scheduling your travel? Do you have a, a system? Is there any rhyme or reason? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I, what I do when I schedule my travel is, and this is what I recommend to anybody that's sort of starting off, is first of all, if you're going to fly, you pick one airline. Mm -hmm. You stick to one airline and you have a backup. So anytime you go anywhere, I pick that same airline. Mm -hmm. Look to see if I can get there in a reasonable amount of time with as, as few stops as possible, no stops if possible. And then you will be surprised that how fast those points and the status builds up on those airlines. If you are new to the game, that is absolutely what I would recommend. Mm -hmm. If you've been spreading out your travel amongst various airlines, absolutely would uh, recommend going back and just picking one because you're not going to get boarded first. You're not going to be able to get status or get points and take your family on vacation later. It is, um, that for me is, is kind of a must. And same thing with hotels. You pick one hotel, you pick a backup hotel in case that, uh, that hotel is either booked or mm -hmm. way out of line expensive. And then you can gather up and get additional points for that as well. Do you have any favorite airlines or hotels mm -hmm. that you enjoy oh, traveling with? We can name names. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> For me, with a family, for somebody, for somebody with a family, I've traveled on American, I've traveled on Southwest. Most of those are the two that I've stuck with for the last 15 years. Mm -hmm. For those that have family, I don't see anything better than Southwest. It's very, very easy to accumulate points, buy those points. You can, if you travel a lot like I do, you can get a companion pass so that when you buy airline tickets, when you go on trips with your family, 
I can buy one ticket for myself. Liz is my companion, so she gets a free ticket. Nice. Yay! Yep, and then I can use points to get the other two tickets for my kids. That's a great way to go. American also has done a little bit better. American has the advantage of having first class, so if you travel all the time and you can hit that executive platinum mark, which is very hard to do, but if you can, then you usually get upgraded to first class, which is which is kind of nice. The thing about first class is once you travel it, it's hard to go back to the back, <laughs> the back of the plane, right? That's right. Yeah, it was a, it was a tough decision to switch from America to Southwest, but uh, <laughs> great. So, um, how about hotels? Hotels. There's three big chains. Uh, you know, the, the Starwood chain, the Hyatt chain, and the uh, and the, and the Hilton chains. And I've been Starwood Marriott for a long time. That's one I've gathered most of my points on. And then if it's a, if my backup is either Hilton or Hyatt, but mm-hmm. most of the time these big chains have a hotel in the area. Yeah. So once you have the event that you're going to and you pick the hotel, the, the hotel chain of your choice, they're going to be somewhere around the area. And that's another good tip is to obviously just try, try to stay near where you're going to be uh, for the events. So Eric, I get the points thing. Believe me, I get the points thing. And I appreciate the points thing. But anything else about when you're scheduling travel or scheduling a trip that you keep in mind, like batching things or anything else that you keep in mind when you're planning to be on the road? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Clearly, um, I try to get at least two to three meetings every single time I go. If something were to cancel out, I try not to go and I'll do a WebEx into that meeting. Uh, so that, uh, you know, it's it's really a giant um, time suck to get somewhere just to be for, just to be out there for one meeting. I always try to get two or three or I'll, I'll cancel the trip and just WebEx in. Cool. That makes sense. And I bet you've seen a real evolution of that in the last 15 years, right? More WebExes or teleconferences happening. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If um, again, if it's not for a larger client or a big deal or somebody that wants to have a face-to-face meeting, then yeah, WebEx usually seems to suffice. You get the video, it's almost like being there. So mm-hmm. that's been happening more and more. Cool. So Eric, what do you like most about traveling for work? Well, the part that everybody seems that, you know, it seems fun, you get to expense your meals, you know, you go off for coffee, you can expense that, you stay in hotel, you do accumulate the points, as we talked about earlier. <laughs> you don't have to worry about driving the kids all over the place. Um, that, you know, that, that, that part of it is great. So that is, that is fun. You get to be with work colleagues and to get to know them a little bit better. So that's the good part of it. Mm-hmm. And what do you like least? Like least is, you know, it, it is time, it is time away from the family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not all fun and games. You know, you, once you land in a particular location, you're usually jumping right into an Uber or into a rental car. You're spending most of the time in a conference room. You're in and out of meetings. You're not going around to doing the fun parts of the city. You're in meetings most of the time because you're traveling for work. It really is work. And then, yeah, there's some good restaurants that you get to go out to. There's steak dinners and there's things like that that you take clients to. But the bad part about that is, you know, you can't fully relax. You know, you have to be on the whole time because you are working. You're either with a colleague or you're with, you know, you're with your boss or you're with clients or or you're with prospects or coworkers and eyes are on you. So you're representing your company. And if things can and have gotten out of hand for some people and if they can spiral out of control for some folks. So, you know, you have to be on the whole time and uh, it's not always as fun as it seems. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's a really good point because I think a lot of people are like, ooh, you got to go to New Orleans, you got to go here, you got to go there, you know, Arkansas, really? (laughs) And uh, you're not exploring and traveling and experiencing the city. You're going to a conference room or an office. I think that, yeah, once in a while there's some good meals in there, but it's not the relaxing good meals that you'd have if you were on vacation with, let's say, me because I'm very relaxing. But you don't have to be on when you're having dinner with Liz when you're on um, vacation, right? It's a totally different nope. thing. Yeah, totally different. Just and, nice and relaxed. <laughs> so it's not the explore the city time. Mm-hmm. Do you ever get time to really dig into your surroundings a little bit? Not often. No, it's usually back to back meetings, lunches and dinners. And then when if if there is no dinner, then that's also a little bit sometimes can be a little bit depressing. Sometimes it can be a little bit lonely where you don't want to get an Uber and go to a restaurant and sit there by yourself because, you know, you've already taken out all the clients, you've taken out your coworkers and they've all gone home to their families. And then you have to go to a hotel. It's um, sometimes that can be, you know, a little bit lonely and not, uh, and not fun. So that's a little bit on the downside of, of travel. So what do you do in that situation? Usually in that situation, go back to the hotel. I usually pull up the laptop, do some work, get some emails done, play it as if I was in my office at home, and then find food, usually at the hotel or somewhere that's that's walkable, and probably bring it back to the hotel. I'm not a have-dinner-usually-by-myself kind of person mm. in a restaurant, so I, that's what I usually like to do. And then, of course, I would call Liz and text her and see what's going on in the home front as well. Mm-hmm. Do you do FaceTime often with the kids? Is that is that helpful? And we hear about that a lot um, with friends that have kids that travel. Has that changed things? Actually, no. FaceTime, I don't do a lot of FaceTime with the kids. You can ask Liz. I mean, usually when I call her, she's driving them somewhere. and <laughs> Right. And then... I know the hours between 6 and 8.30, mm-hmm. uh, those are times where it's pretty much don't call because she's going to get people yeah. into places and people <laughs> into bed and dinner yeah. into people. Right. And it's it's not a time to call and, you know, and say, hey, hi, say hi to daddy because that'll just put scum in the works there. And, and mm-hmm. it's very, very, uh, it's evasive. Well, and I think it's changed as they've gotten older too. So usually, and now it's it's weird because during those hours, I don't know if he's with clients necessarily or whatever. So I don't call him because I don't want to be interrupting his meetings or his stuff. So usually we catch up when his day is done mm-hmm. versus while it's still going on or he'll text, is it a good time? Or I'll text, is it a good time or something? But when the kids were little, it was like, because our kids are... 12 and 10 now. And so, but when they were younger, it was like, you didn't talk about daddy when he wasn't home because that could bring up all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. That could be a meltdown, right? Or, you know, yeah. we, we miss daddy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And while they still miss him, I, I thought, you know, over time it would get better. It really hasn't. Um, they just miss him in different ways. And when's he coming home? But they are more aware now. Mm-hmm. But back in the day, it was like, you did not mention that name because that would just make my world harder, which mm-hmm. wasn't really necessary at the time. Yeah, it was already challenging enough doing it at home by yourself, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah, and, and we had the rule where if I landed at <laughs> bedtime that I was, don't come into the house, mm-hmm. wait until after they're in bed before I can, before I come in the house because mm-hmm. that will upset the apple cart. Sure. And yeah, we, we have a rule, don't screw me over. Is the rule. <laughs> 
in the house, very important. Mm-hmm. But when they were little, if he would come home within, you know, a half hour bedtime, bedtime was done. And I was also done. Yeah. And so it was just like, if you come home at seven, sit, I don't care if you're in the driveway till eight, but I'll tell you when you can come in the house. Mm-hmm. And that was not because I didn't want to see him. It no. was just <laughs> a necessity. One of the things we did to adjust to the world. Sure. Well, the last thing you need when you're putting your kid to sleep is for them to get excited that daddy's home and have an adrenaline <laughs> rush. And then they're up for two more hours and then they don't yeah. get enough sleep and you know, the whole cycle of a not, not enough sleep is not a good thing. Bingo. And it used to I mean when they were really little, I mean, our kids are 23 months apart. So I had to really have kind of tight routines Yep. when he was gone. Like I'd put the bottle on the stair and then when he'd come home and he'd move stuff, I'd be like, dude, you know, where's my stuff? And so we had to really kind of adjust to having one way when Eric was home and one Mm -hmm. way when he wasn't. And sometimes, you know, when it was really stressful, it would take me a little bit to kind of let him back in the fold because I had to be so kind of rigid with how I did stuff. I bet that kind of sucked for you, huh? Yeah. um, (laughs) Waiting in the driveway until everybody was, uh, everybody's in bed. I learned to change my flight so I knew when I could land and, and get home safely. <laughs> but, and on the other side of that too, we've, we've built a pretty good system to give Liz as much advance notice as possible on the travel so that she can plan out the week, find sitters if necessary, find driving help if and when necessary, uh, th- all those kinds of things. So that's, you know, that's another thing that, that we do is, and I put it in her calendar, mark it when I'm leaving, when I'm coming back, mm-hmm. um, doesn't matter what city it's either as she says i'm either home or i'm not home she doesn't really know or care what city i'm in <laughs> okay i care dear i care not really <laughs> not really <laughs> you're either you're either in or you're out right here or not here that mm-hmm. those are the two places you go yeah for sure all right well let's um let you know if someone's looking for a new job that may have a travel component in it for the first time you know, what questions do you think that they should ask in, you know, in an interview, you know, to the hiring manager and the team? What would you recommend questions people ask to really understand what they're getting into? Well, you know, clearly, obviously, with the first the first one that comes to mind is, you know, how much travel is expected in this job? Mm-hmm. What is a territory? Where do you see the territory growing or shrinking? And how often do you expect me to be on the road versus WebEx? There's some companies that, you know, that have said the WebEx machine is broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, don't, uh, we don't use WebEx. We do face-to-face interviews. That's the best way to get deals so that, you know, if, you know, you only have one meeting or don't have to go maybe a couple hundred miles and you're going to drive it, that you have to be there or else you're going to upset some folks. So just make sure that you understand that if you're not piling up and asking, if you're not piling up back to back to back meetings, that they still want you on site. So those are some of the things I'd ask. Usually if they tell you it's 40 to 50% travel, probably add 10 to 15% to that. And especially at the beginning of the job, because you're going to want to get out and meet your clients and meet your partners and meet the folks that you're going to be interacting with. So those first four or five months are going to be probably almost 20%, 30% more than probably what they're going to tell you. So you have to be prepared for that. That's good. The first few months of any job is is just so much. It's usually the hardest part, right? And I can imagine that the whole 
travel element, you know, is, is on top of that. So mm-hmm. that's good to prepare for. We can talk about new higher energy in another podcast because that is not to be messed with. Yeah. And I think, you know, to add to your questions that you would ask in the interview, Eric, I, I would say to ask that not just to the hiring manager, but to the people that maybe you're talking to someone who has your job in another location or something. So how much do you travel and hear it from a peer? who is maybe going to be more honest um, mm-hmm. about what they're actually doing than the hiring manager may be. Yeah. Or, or you can find out uh, just like you said, from maybe from not just a peer, but you know, competitors, uh, other folks and how often are they seeing their, mm-hmm. their clients and their partners? Because if you're a couple steps behind them, then you're probably going to lose some business. That's a good point too. Yeah, that is important. So, Eric, if you met someone who was about to start traveling for work, um, you talked a lot about your points. And mm-hmm. people who don't know Eric, Eric loves his points, but so do I because I travel with them. So they're all good. But what are some other tips that you would give, like maybe days to avoid or airports to avoid or other things like that that you've learned over the years? You know, maybe, you know, don't eat raw oysters places, you know, what, whatever you've learned. Yeah, I've learned a few things like that. Um, <laughs> first of all, you know, I, I think there's lots of tips, lots of good websites out there that, that list a lot of good tips. Some of the things that, that stand out to me are if you're going to be traveling, if it's two, three, four days, try to get everything into a carry-on. Mm-hmm. Uh, do not be the person that carries something and puts it underneath the plane. If you're going to be meeting work colleagues at an airport and then you all land at the same place and everybody's ready to go because they've traveled before and they know this trick and then you're like, oh, I have to go get my bag. Um, <laughs> you Rookie. are not only the yeah. newbie, but you are now the, the hated newbie because yeah. now <laughs> everybody's got to run downstairs, wait for your bag to show up before they can get into the Uber meeting or get to the hotel. Mm-hmm. So... Try to get everything into one bag that fits in the overhead. Another thing is, and since we are naming names of companies, <laughs> absolutely 100% get clear and get uh, TSA pre and get, yeah. get that combo. If you, even if you have to wait for TSA pre, you don't have to wait for TSA pre clearance, but get clear. You can do it in one day at the airport. It's about $100, and $100 $120. You can even add your family members. Oh, I nice. Was I was nice. I'm clear. Yeah, Liz has clear. And it is absolutely, you can get an extra half hour sleep anywhere. If you're, you have a morning flight, um, you don't have to worry about getting the airport. There are very, very few lines. There's very few airports that don't have clear. Chicago is really the only large airport that I can think of. So if you're listening in Chicago and you're doing this, I still get it anyway, because you have to fly home from whatever airport that you fly out of Chicago mm-hmm. from. And Having clear, now I saved, I, I've seen the TSA pre-line 20, 30, 40 minutes long, and there's three people in the line for clear. It's wow. a very, very, very good service. So I would absolutely recommend that. Um, there's times you're back of that line, you don't have clear, and you'd say, man, I pay $100 to get the front of that line right now. You'd have that for a year. It's it's a great service. I've been at the TSA pre-line in San Francisco, and it's been longer than the regular security line. Yeah, Sometimes that, the same yeah. that happens with the, with the, with with so, free. But, I'll have to check out Clear. That's a good tip. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, I say, if you're going to a city that you haven't been before, you're going to be taking clients out to lunch or to dinner. Uh, research. It's very easy to do. Just look on. I use Open Table or use a, a site called Eater. And there's Eater Austin, there's Eater Chicago, there's Eater every city you can think of. And it has great tips on different restaurants. 
but make sure you, you if you're going to do a dinner reservation, especially and even lunch, um, make a reservation because if you're taking clients there and you forget to do that and you tell everybody to go and then they're like, oh, it's a 30 minute wait. Also, not a good not a good first move there. So you want to definitely make sure you get a reservation, but do it and, and just look for the highly ready restaurants. It's really an, an open table. Open table even has points. So that's, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Reservations on open table and, and use their star system and pick, pick good restaurants. And it usually is a, is a crowd pleaser. And, and it looks like, you know, kind of know what you're doing in the new city. So those are some things that uh, some quick, quick and easy tips. Awesome. Those are good ones. I would say, you know, we were kind of joking about the oyster incident of a few years ago, but I would say that in those new restaurants and stuff, probably try not to try that many new foods and stuff like travel tummy is a real thing mm-hmm. and you don't want to have it in business meetings. When you're somewhere for work, you so don't want to get sick. Eric, is there anything you do to prevent getting sick? Speaking of that, I to prevent getting sick. Um, <laughs> well, I've learned, I've, I've learned lessons over the years and yeah, trying the new foods or, or trying uh, oysters in the, in the middle of the summer in, uh, in, in Houston is probably not a good idea. <laughs> right. um, uh, you know, keep it safe uh, in terms of what you know, what you like to eat and uh, you should mm-hmm. be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially if you're picking out the good restaurants or the ones that at least are highly rated and not something that's kind of sketchy, uh, you should be good there too. Uh, also, don't forget, also, I'll admit sometimes I forget to do this, but you bring some cash sometimes because you're traveling a lot. So you're going to hotels and you want to tip people and you don't want to be the person where everybody's handing somebody some money and you're not you're the only one who didn't tip anybody. So bring bring some money with you every time that you go on a trip, a business trip, because you don't want to leave the folks and you don't want to be look like the person that doesn't tip when everybody else is is doing that. When I was talking about avoiding being sick, I was thinking like hand sanitizer and things like that because you know you're on planes, you're in public a lot. So I don't. Yeah, I don't worry about that. I've I've got all kinds of uh, uh, sprays and wipes and all kinds of things that. Uh, what about what about things like airborne? Or do you take any extra vitamins or things for your immune system when you are on a plane? No, I mean for that, I just try to, to try to eat healthy. Yeah. Uh, you know, if and. Uh, so there's nothing nothing special about that. If I'm feeling sick or I feel like I'm coming down with something, maybe I'll go to the to uh, to Walgreens or something and get some airborne or or, mm-hmm. or some something like that to try to fend it off. But usually don't take it unless I feel like something might be coming down. I'm curious about how you know with the amount of travel that you do, how do you keep up with all of your workload? Because I'm sure there's mm-hmm. more than you know visiting clients that's part of your role. So how do you how do you manage all the emails and all the stuff that has to keep on going while you're traveling? Well, so that is, if it's a longer flight, usually you can get some, uh, you sh- usually you can get internet on the flights. It's not, it's usually not great. Sometimes it's spotty. Sometimes it's not there. So I like to prepare the night before answer, answer what I can the night before and get as much done then. And then, you know, and, and it's also, we talked about it before, if you're going out to dinner with colleagues and you really don't want to be the last one to go home, because, you know, usually nothing good happens after, you know, in my world at 10 PM. So <laughs> you see, you don't want to be usually the last one to go. So, you know, if you have some drinks with the colleagues and then, and then you can go back to the hotel and get, get a few things done, done that, uh, that evening. But um, you hope most of the time that the 
internet works on the plane. It is usually a big bummer when it doesn't because, and that's what you want to prepare. If you're going to have a meeting or a presentation, make sure that it is done and complete and you don't save it for the plane because some, and you just use the plane to practice or to run through the presentation one last time, because if the internet doesn't work on the plane, it can throw everything for a loop and then you have to land and then kind of wing it when you're at the, you're the yeah. flying plane if you don't have it prepared. So I wouldn't count on uh, the internet on the plane to get everything done. Like It sounds like planning is really, really important, right? I mean, making yeah. sure that you, you know where you're going and, you know, ready with everything. Yep. And I'd like to point out what you've just shown. I mean, it's a long day. I mean, right. there are times you get up at four in the morning to catch a 630 flight and you're still out at 10 o'clock at night, you know, entertaining clients. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm tired because he woke me up and I went back to bed for two hours. Right. So it's a long day and it's hard to get your stuff done. Um in between everything. Do you have any tips for sleeping? I know, mm -hmm. you know, some folks have a real, you know, have real challenges, you know, when they're in beds that aren't their own. Yeah, I have that problem. Mm -hmm. um, I have the same, same routine. I usually, I, I fall, usually fall asleep to the TV and have this mm -hmm. TV on sleep timer. Um, so, you know, that's, that's what I do that same routine. I try to keep the same routine. I try to go to the bed to go to bed at about the same time. Mm -hmm. That's when I, I text her, I call Liz and, and talk to her before I go to sleep. Um, so try to keep everything in the same routine. That's the best you can hope for. You just hope your hotel is clean. You hope right. your hotel isn't noisy. You hope you can't hear people through the walls of your hotel. Yeah. And if all th three of those things work out and, and, you know, you can usually keep the same pattern. Mm -hmm. uh, also exercise. If you're exercising early in the morning, make sure you find a hotel that has a, has a decent gym mm -hmm. or if you belong to a gym that it is around the area. I mean, I, I belong to a gym and I try to go to the same gym in different cities and find uh, that helps as well to keep mm -hmm. the same routine going. So if you, if you do keep the same routine, you can usually get enough sleep. I don't have as much trouble falling asleep in hotels as some folks do. And man, I would, I feel bad for people that, that just can't sleep in a hotel. Mm -hmm. It would. Well, then yeah. they probably shouldn't travel for work. I mean, I yeah. like, let's call it you got to know yourself and know your limits and know your body and know what might not be a good fit for you i think that's important so you mentioned exercise and kind of keeping your routine any other self-care things that you do um while traveling or with your downtime while traveling i think it's just that it is keeping the same routine it is uh eating health eating healthy. Uh, I, I try to eat the same things. I mean, it is so easy not to, and so easy to get out of that pattern and go, going and, and, uh, you know, eating it, eating, you know, either McDonald's or something quick that you, that, that you normally wouldn't do. There's, there's always something you can usually find. And if you can't find it and you're only going for a day or two, you can pack. Don't forget, you can always pack something and take it with you, you know, that, that you would normally eat, eat at home. And now there's so many healthy alternatives or healthy foods out there that you can, that you can go to as easily as you can go to a fast food place. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's, those are some tips that I try to stick by. Yeah. Well, I'll tell, I'll tell you listeners a little story. Eric's probably like, Oh God, what's she going to say? But when Eric started traveling, his cholesterol went through the roof because he was going out three, four or five times a week. And ordering burgers with fries, which like when you go out once a week is totally cool. Mm -hmm. So then all of a sudden his cholesterol spiked and he was kind of shocked. And then 
realized that it was the choices he was making on the road and then became Mr. Chicken Sandwich because then he knew that was kind of a safe thing to get a chicken sandwich with a salad. And then he'd go out with me and get a chicken sandwich. And I'd be like, dude, you're so boring. (laughs) And so. (laughs) I would order fish too, which is. Mm -hmm. So then we realized that his cheat meals were when we were out, not when he was out for work, but he became more regimented because he realized that just because he was at a restaurant, he couldn't eat like he was at a restaurant. (laughs) four to five to six times. Right. Travel is travel can be challenging when it comes to that sort of thing. So, but it sounds like you've got a good routine there that you've established for yourself, which is great. And his cholesterol is very healthy. It's very good. (laughs) Good. Good. I'm glad to hear it. So, I mean, I don't want to get too personal here, Eric, but um, how does travel impact relationships at home? Oh, it, it it oh it doesn't affect it at all. No, I think it, I, I, it actually. I think we've talked a little bit about this, and we it is all comes down, to, of course, like everything, communication, and not screwing Liz over when uh, there is travel that's going to put her in a bind that's on very very short notice. So that's what I I try to avoid that. And again, if it's very very short notice, it's usually just it's usually just one meeting somewhere. And it's hard to get a second and a third meeting around that when someone wants you to go somewhere. So I'm saying no to those, but going to them on WebEx, like like we talked about before. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't hose her over so badly. Mm-hmm. And then when I do have to travel, it's, I, I think, and you can ask Liz, I think I've gotten better at this, where it is the tips we talked about before. Um, I tell her, when I'm going, when I'm coming back, I put it in her calendar mm-hmm. so there's no surprises. And I do try to travel as usually Tuesdays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and avoid the Monday, Friday. Yeah. Yeah. And it is true. It's like coming back Friday after three, four, five o'clock. It, you know, you're 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 getting ready for the weekend, everybody's getting ready for the weekend is Friday, and you're still on a plane, you're still waiting to take off. And it's mm-hmm. it is not fun. So if you can if you can at all try to get out early Friday only schedule if you're going to schedule 30 thursdays fridays do a friday morning meeting and then get out of there mm-hmm. um that's my advice for traveling all this time and then avoid mondays or avoid monday mornings because sometimes you don't want if you if there's only way to get somewhere on a monday morning is to travel on a sunday and nobody wants to travel on a sunday night to get mm-hmm. to a monday morning meeting so that's why i try to try to bookend things and try to keep mondays and fridays clear as possible and do everything tuesdays mm-hmm. and thursdays so and that would shrink the week and keep Liz happier. <laughs> awesome. Well, I, I, personally, when you travel on a Sunday or like you don't get home till Friday, late, late Friday night, I feel like I've been robbed. Whereas if it's like Monday morning through Friday at five, like they can have them. That's the deal. But when you go outside those parameters, I'm like, uh-uh, no, no, that, that's, that crosses the line mm-hmm. <laughs> with what I'm willing to go with. And there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of travel that happens on the weekends. So that's great that you've got that boundary. And, you know, it sounds like you're able to mostly work within that, which is mm-hmm. good. Yeah, mostly, except for sales kickoffs, which sometimes are, they want you there Monday and mm-hmm. you, you don't say you have to leave on a Sunday. So that's mm-hmm. once a year. So, you know, you also, I know, I know from knowing you guys for at least 15, well, about 15 <laughs> years, right? That you guys get to go on trips together sometimes, right? With, for work, which again is probably more work than, than fun, right? Like a, a club trip, a sales meeting yeah. kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Once in a while. Once in a while. We we did that for, for several years. Mm-hmm. It, it is fun. But as we, you know, we talked about before, it's, it's fun. They take you to a nice place, but mm-hmm. you have to be on and you have to be put your best foot forward, your round work mm-hmm. colleagues. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you can't get too out of hand. Yeah. So, so Liz has to, in particular, behave then on those. That's on right. Trips. Yeah. Yeah. Rain yourself back a little bit, right? right. I do, I do. But you know, back to that episode we did about parties and yeah. and work trips and yep. stuff. It's like, uh-huh. don't be fooled by the free booze. It's right. a work trip, yeah, and so sure. we treat every trip he's talking about is a work trip. Yeah, those free booze can be very, very expensive if you do something stupid. Yep, yep, we've we've seen it. We've seen it. And that I, I wish I could remember what episode that mm-hmm. was. We can put a link in the show notes because uh, that's for a sure. good one for, for, for folks. Uh, wait, I'll say something else he does and that he's not giving himself credit for. So over the years, we, you know, through communication, like he said, we, we work out stuff that maybe he covers this or that or I do this or that. And so he tries to set me up when he's going to be gone, especially for like three or four days at, at a time, he might like make a dinner that I can just throw in the oven or make sure that there's tuna fish for the kids' lunches or whatever it is that will just help me out a little bit, give me some shortcuts that I may not have if he was home. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm lucky. You're, you are. I'm, I'm I am. <laughs> Well, I know not everyone is married to someone who's got training as a chef, right? Which is something that you didn't mention, but that's a nice, a nice benefit. That's right. I can prep a mean lasagna and then all she has to do is is chuck it in the oven and uh, 30 minutes later, dinner for everybody for three days in a row. (laughs) And lunch. So true. So what else have you learned over the years, Eric, about being a spouse and a parent and traveling? It takes sacrifice. It's something that um, you got to be willing to. You, you got to know that you're going to miss. You're going to miss baseball games. You're going to miss football games. Uh, you're going to miss uh, kids' plays. You know, there's there's those things that you are going to miss. Um, mm-hmm. It does put a, some additional stress on a relationship because you know dividing and conquering is impossible when there's only one of you there. <laughs> you know, the, the the person that's home has to take everything on themselves. You can do as much setup and as much prep as you want. Like Liz said, in my delicious lasagnas uh-huh. uh, that you're not there. I mean, even if you try to make it easier, it's just one person. And if you've, if you've got kids, it, it, it makes it hard, which is why, you know, you learn some of these tips and tricks so that you can avoid missing flights. So getting things like clear and TSA pre. So the chances of missing flight are, are minimal because sometimes you can get those airports and those lines are they could, they could, you could miss the flight because you're just in the back of the line. So, you know, learning those things so you can just minimize the time on the road. That's kind of what I've learned. And, you know, it does take sacrifice and it does take planning and it does take, you know, enormous amount of, of, of trust with, with your spouse. Mm-hmm. And I'm lucky that I have that with Liz. It's, I think it's great that you guys have been able to make it work. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to turn the question to you, Liz. What's it like having a partner who travels? Now, what many of our listeners may not know is that when the kids were little, Liz had a blog. <laughs> you blogged about it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I've got a little bit insight from years ago, but you know, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I did that weekday solo mommy therapeutic blog thing. And then I realized it's really hard to get a real blog with a following and I didn't have time for it. But I think that's when it was the hardest. I mean, it's been hard over the years in different ways because when kids are little, 
you're literally carrying two babies up the stairs kind of thing. And when they're bigger, you're driving people to two different places Mm -hmm. at the same time. And that's super fun. Uh, So the logistics moving pieces or the Jenga game is hard. Um, I think Eric brought up the word trust. And honestly, I don't know how a relationship would survive travel without 100% trust. Because otherwise, you're hosed. Because you have no idea what's going on. I think that you have to be really organized. You have to be able to get help. I mean, sometimes I cannot do it all. And I have to rely on friends or pay people to help me out. And I would say that if your job as a traveling spouse does not yield enough money for you to have whatever help you need, you need to look at that because it just puts your partner in a harder situation. It also allows me to have a really special relationship with my kids that sometimes makes me feel like, you know, the a number one parent or whatever, like in terms of, you know, the, the heavy but it also, I get a lot of quality time and he has to kind of make up, make that up. And so sure. I'm lucky that I'm able to have that time as the only parent in the room. So I'm not fighting because he's fun parents. So like I have to fight with him for attention when he's in the room. But I've also learned to love my alone time. Mm-hmm. I mean, when the kids are go to bed, it's just me, myself and I. And I love that. And I crave it. Well, you're so busy and your job is so people intensive and you're, you're in meetings all day. So having that downtime is probably essential, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's just nice to not think about somebody else, you know, once, not that I don't love the nights he's home, but mm-hmm. I, I don't mind when he's not. And I think if you do, I think you have to embrace it and you have to look for those positives and, I embrace my alone time now. Whereas if I was moping because I was alone, that would be hard. But as someone who works at home and has a partner that travels, it can be lonely. Like Eric said, it can be lonely on the other side. I talk to people all day, but it can be lonely. I think, you know, I think you talked about, you know, attitude and perspective really probably plays a really important role for both of you to Mm -hmm. look at the situation as positively as possible, especially in those times when it is, when it is challenging or it has been extra travel or it, or it's, you know, Mm -hmm. it feels lonely, you know, working, working with your perspective, probably as it helps with most things, right? Mm -hmm. For sure. Is there anything else that we haven't covered? I just think you have to know yourself before you go into a role that encompasses travel and you have to know if that's for you. And I I don't know how many of the super younger listeners we have, but there are certain careers you're going to be traveling, you know, in say, if you want to be in sales, you probably will be traveling. Mm -hmm. And so it's something to ask yourself, you know, we go to the must have list. We can't have an episode where we don't talk about it. That is this something that I'm going to want or that I'm going to be okay with or that my relationship can survive or that will impact my parenting? I think it's kind of a big decision to make if you're going to go into a career that where you're going to have a somewhat disrupted life. I don't know, Eric, you have any thoughts? I think think you're going to, and you're going to find out I mean, really quickly, if it's for you or not. I mean, if it is your first job and you and you start traveling and you don't like it, you're you're going to like it a whole lot less when you're involved in a relationship, and even less when you get married and 
less, even less again when it's uh, when it when you have kids. So, yeah. you know, you'll know you'll know quickly. And if you don't like doing that, and if it's not for you, and it is not for everybody, then you know you can find a job that that you are in the office where you travel in office and you stay in you stay at home or you work from home. And that's when you're really clear about those boundaries and what percentage mm-hmm. of travel you know you think you can live with. And that's that's an important question to ask and to to discuss uh, in any interview process because, you know, so many times people say, oh, there's not very much travel at all. And then people end up on the road so much more than expected. So that's yeah. where asking those questions to really verify um, before you get into the situation is important. Yeah, I work, and I work with folks that, you know, they have larger companies that have smaller territories. And if you live, for example, in Houston and you're the sales rep in Houston, I work with two sales rep, they both, they both have Houston and they do not travel very often. They do not like to travel And when they have, when we have our national kickoff and they have to travel or when they, when we go have our quarterly business reviews and they have to travel up to even just to Dallas, it's, it's not fun for them. So you still can have those good sales careers with, with, you know, with less than 10% travel. And, uh, that's still, if you still want to get into that, that's, you know, there's other ways to, to have that sales career without traveling. Great. Well, Eric, Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this has been super interesting. And how can folks find you? Well, I am on LinkedIn at uh, Eric Bronson. That's E-R-I-C-K Bronson. That is probably the, the best way to reach me. And I'm on Twitter at Eric Bronson as well. Very, I got very creative with my Twitter handle and my LinkedIn <laughs> Hey, that makes it easy to find you, which is probably a really good, another good tip. If you're in a sales role and you want to be easily found, make make your username easy to find. That's right. Awesome. Thank cool. you. Thank you. Thank you. This is Real Job Talk, a podcast about jobs, careers, and what's not said at the water cooler. Our website with all Real Job Talk related information is realjobtalk.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please send us your questions, topics you'd like to talk about, and real job talk stories. And you may find them featured on a future episode. Use the website or email us at realjobtalk at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at realjobtalk. And on Instagram and Facebook at realjobtalkshow. My name is Kat Troyer. You can find me on Twitter at dailycat. And on LinkedIn, you can find me via Kathleen Nelson Troyer. And I'm Liz Bronson. On Twitter, I'm at Liz Beeks and Salt. And on LinkedIn, I'm Liz Bronson. Real Job Talk is a Tech Reckoning production. Our producer is John Mark Troyer. Our graphic artists are Lexi and Zachary Bronson. And we're here by the water cooler waiting to talk with you.